ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for tuning into The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, editor-at-large at The Block, and we have a very exciting episode of the show for you today. On the other side of the mic, we have Ray Youssef, sir. Really appreciate you coming on to talk with us, and obviously, you're sort of an OG in this space, being the brains behind Faxful, and obviously, listeners of the show will know the news of, of the sort of wind down. Definitely hit the newsroom here much to our surprise, like I was saying before we turned on the mics, it was it was a company, you know, very early on in our history where we would track the volumes and it gave a good sense of market activity and interest in a unique way relative to maybe centralized players. But before we dive into that and more, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsors. This show is sponsored in part by CleanSpark, America's Bitcoin miner. With CleanSpark, you can feel good about investing in the Bitcoin ecosystem because CleanSpark uses low-carbon energy for their Bitcoin mining data centers and is always optimizing their operations to increase energy efficiency and reduce e-waste, all while partnering with the communities they operate in. If you want to support the future of Bitcoin while also supporting the environment, visit www.cleanspark.com to learn more about the CleanSpark way. One question that we had like internally was, what does this mean for the decentralized nature by which we transact in this space? And so, yeah, bottom line is like, what does this mean? It seems like a bit of a setback. Yeah, it seems like that. But I'll tell you, I've never felt happier in my entire life. I feel like a huge weight has been lifted. You guys aren't aware of the drama that's been going on within Paxful for the past you know, five years, honestly. It's been a tremendous challenge. Um, I don't want to get into all that drama now. It's quite juicy. You know, there's going to be a big expose and reveal about it. But for now, I want to talk about the future. So Paxful is a peer-to-peer exchange. Peer-to-peer is how this entire business began. You know, peer-to-peer electronic cash, that is Bitcoin. And peer-to-peer is how we will end this. And by end, I mean we're going to win. And by we, I mean us humans that just want to live an honest and peaceful, prosperous life. Peer-to-peer is the way to do that. Centralized authorities have failed us in every possible respect. They've sabotaged and destroyed civilization. So the next step is, instead of just one Paxful, how about we have a thousand Paxfuls? How about we have 10,000 Paxfuls? How about every nation state, every community has their own decentralized, unstoppable free market? That is what must happen. And I've been looking forward to this day for the past, you know, five years. I've been planning this. I knew that Paxful had to become decentralized. I made some mistakes. Number one, I based Paxful out of Delaware. You know, I'm an American. I'm a patriot. (laughs) I was thinking we could do the right thing and we'd have a top-notch compliance program. We're going to give them unlimited budget for compliance, bring in the best people. One-fourth to one-fifth of our company staff was compliance. We did all the right things. We did it at the absolute zenith, and it still wasn't enough. To what degree was the shutdown related to this ongoing regulatory crackdown? Did you know regulators or various authorities sort of put your hand on this? No, they didn't push our hand on it. There was no danger. There were no, like, you know, impending threats from them. But the writing was on the wall. And the board of directors of Paxful back in November of 2022, we agreed to actually dissolve the company. And it was supposed to be a nice, tidy dissolvement. We'd spend all the money on compliance to make sure that any frozen funds 
were released back to the users. And then there wouldn't be any creditors and all this and all that. But unfortunately, my co-founder was also part of the board. He agreed to do this and do the right thing to keep our traders out of harm's way. But then he decided to sue me because he wouldn't get his nine-figure payday if the company dissolved. So it was purely out of greed. He went into this terror lawsuit that made absolutely no sense. And he dug up all this, you know, dust and all this gibberish. And it's led us back to the same place. This guy refused to pay our engineers and compliance people. And then the company, this was March 31st, we had no engineers, no compliance people. The wallet went down. And I had to struggle just to keep everything up and keep everything going. So thanks be to God, a miracle occurs. We managed to get things back up and people had access to all their funds. But he's still on this terror lawsuit thing, too wet to his litigation. He's just being greedy and dumb, unfortunately. But with Paxful out of the way, it's fine. You know, there will be a thousand other Paxfuls. That is my job. That is what the Civilization Kit will take us to. I'm happy to talk about that. But as far as peer-to-peer in America, let me tell you, there was a time two years ago when local Bitcoin traders in the United States were being arrested en masse. They tried to get one guy for 35 years, him and his wife, was he got, he sold a thousand bucks worth of Bitcoin for a bank transfer to his wife's bank account. Local prosecutors who were being trained by the DOJ to bust peer-to-peer traders tried to get him and his wife for 35 years. Thankfully, he only ended up doing 18 months and their two children had someone to take care of them at that time. But the writing is on the wall. Peer-to-peer is not safe in the United States. And in fact, if you're trying to run a company in the United States and serve the global South, it's a recipe for complete and total disaster. Because American compliance is based on the confiscation of funds. If you were a Paxful user and you got some money from some dude in Iran or mistakenly sent some money to some dude and you had no idea who he is, well, guess what? Uncle Sam says you're a criminal. You've broken OFAC and your funds are going to be frozen. Yeah, that's the tragedy of trying to run a company that serves the global south out of the United States. It doesn't make sense. Is there a way to implement sort of procedures in a peer-to-peer model that make it OFAC compliant to some degree? Or is that a non-starter? I mean, if you're going to be OFAC compliant, you can't serve certain markets. Like Axel pulled out of Russia. Axel pulled out of Venezuela because it was too expensive to serve that market and be compliant. It just made it impossible, even with one-fourth of our company compliance. So absolutely not. If you're an United States company and you're going to serve anyone, you must obey the letter of the law. The letter of the law means that the, the neediest of your users are going to have their funds held unjustifiably by these regulators. And there's nothing that I can do about it. A CEO cannot overrule a compliance decision. If I go to my chief compliance officer and say, hey, this guy just got a, you know, 40 bucks from someone in Iran. He didn't, it's not a crime, release his funds. This guy, money is being held for a year. Let's just give him his money back. My chief compliance officer will be like, no, I can't do that. We have to wait for the regulator to get back to us. Otherwise, I go to jail. If I tell him to do that, I go to jail. If he does that, he goes to jail. So then what is there to do? There's no way to do it. So how do we get from here to a thousand Paxfuls? And what exactly do you mean by that? I'm in a world where anyone can start their own peer-to-peer marketplace. So unstoppable free markets is the dream, right? This is what will get humanity trading amongst itself. 
this is what's going to solve all of our problems. And when you understand how broken the financial system is, especially in the global south, you understand the magnitude of the problem. I've even given it a name, economic apartheid. And that's exactly what it is. There's the golden circle of Western finance, which we are all privileged to be a part of. And then there's everyone else. They cannot even transact. You see the BRICS nations and what they're doing right now, right? All these countries are getting together. There were five countries in BRICS. Now all these 10 other countries are trying to join. It's basically the entire global South that is breaking away and saying, hey, we need our own system. We cannot use the U.S. dollar and the broken, you know, swift system that comes with it. Was All it's meant to do is just to keep us poor, to keep us from transacting with each other. But what happens when the entire world can transact with each other, when the global South can trade, when Rwanda can trade with Dominican Republic, when Russia can trade with Venezuela, when everyone can trade with everyone? using something as powerful and as seamless as Bitcoin. And it shouldn't just be the countries of BRICS and the Global South that are doing these deals amongst themselves. We need to open up this free trade to the people on the street so they can make payments, so they can get remittances on this network. So it's not just a nation-state level thing. What could do that? The thing that can do that is the thing that we've had for the past eight years, which is something like tax law. Our users have basically taken this Swiss army knife for money, this peer-to-peer marketplace, and hacked it to do every possible thing that you can imagine and things you can't imagine, particularly our very ingenious users in Nigeria and Western Africa. They're figuring out how to solve all of their financial problems to get around every barrier using Bitcoin and this peer-to-peer marketplace. We just need to make that system decentralized, thus unstoppable and permissionless. So how do we do that? And that's where CivKit comes in. So let's talk about CivKit. So I call it CivKit because it's civilization in a can. When you look at the problems that face humanity, the unstoppable you know, marketplace is the key, right? We have the internet. We have mobile phones in prevalence. We have peer-to-peer electronic cash, Bitcoin. Now we just need a way for Bitcoin to reach into the entire world besides just hashing and mining electricity, right? That's where free trade comes in. So you need this peer-to-peer marketplace like a Paxil that is unstoppable, completely decentralized. There are a lot of things that are needed to support that marketplace, right? Was having an order book where everyone can find their trades, having a decentralized escrow where people can trade with each other in safety, that's beautiful. But you also need a system of accounts. You need a system of identity. Everyone screams, KYC is horrible. Yes, it is because it's centralized. But identity is not horrible. People want to know who they're trading with, especially for big transactions. And that's where we replace KYC with KYP, know your peer, meaning decentralized IDs. And then we can have reputation. We can start attaching reputation to accounts based on the nature of people's trading activity. This opens up something massive, which is a credit line. A credit line for people in the global south. So there's a lot of bits and pieces to sit here, but it'll happen in three phases. Phase one is the order book and the decentralized lightning escrow, which is being coded on right now. The white paper was released several weeks ago. It's already in development. And any kind of trade, any kind of transaction will be able to happen on this one. There's a lot of projects like this that are in the works. Quite a few marketplaces have already been built on Nostra, which is a great you know, protocol for this. The difference is, is that CivKit is built by someone, designed by someone that's already done it out in the real world and seen every possible problem in corner case. 
Here's a message from our sponsor, CleanSpark. CleanSpark is a NASDAQ-listed company that mines Bitcoin. Basically, they build and operate data centers with tens of thousands of computers that help secure Bitcoin, making it more reliable and secure for anybody, anywhere to use. These computers require a lot of energy, but that's why CleanSpark predominantly uses low-carbon energy to power their machines. But that's not all. They care about the communities where their data centers are located. They create jobs, donate to schools and community centers, and revitalize aging electricity grids in rural parts of America. They aren't just a Bitcoin miner. They're one of the most efficient and sustainable Bitcoin miners in America. Visit www.cleanspark.com to learn more. So how does Civkit complete what Satoshi's vision was? Bitcoin as a project is not complete without an unstoppable free market. Satoshi Nakamoto, in the very first version of Bitcoin Core, he had functions in there for listing inventory, eBay-like mm. functions, and even escrow functions. They were taken mm. away after the first or second version to remove clutter, and because there was no one actually to build on that, we decided to keep it a straight money layer, which made sense. It was the right decision. But Satoshi Nakamoto knew that, you know, without a way for this to reach into the real world and allow people to discover with each other and trade fiat and everything else with each other, the project is not good. So here we are to complete the project. It's hard not to say Satoshi without smiling. I don't know if that makes me sound a bit cheesy. I'm cheesy too. We call the team that's behind Sipkit Team Hachiko. I don't know if you've seen that movie with Richard Gere. He played this university professor. He went, to, you know, to teach every day on the train and he left his, his dog would always wait for him to come back. He was a beautiful Chibi Inu and he died one day. He couldn't come back to work and Hachiko waited there for him at the train station every single day for 10 years until he died. Kind of like Satoshi, you know, he bailed. <laughs> he had a reason to bail. And here we are, you know, his loyal followers trying to complete the work. That's what we call the team Hachiko. It's a great movie. It'll make you cry. I recommend it. So is Jack Dorsey's TBD involved in this? Absolutely. We're talking with all of the TBD members right now. We're all homies. We're all dogs. And we're working with them to take the right bits and pieces and use it. For example, TBD has some really powerful technology. For example, yeah. we could have built the order book on one of their order book technologies that's a lot more complex and robust than Noster. Noster is like a glorified RSS feed. We settled on Noster right now, but it has a lot of backing. And it makes sense, but we'll be borrowing a lot of pieces from TV Dex, which is an amazing project. It's super, you know, sophisticated. But, you know, something like this, a marketplace is all about one thing, traction and accessibility. So we're just starting and then we're pulling the right bits and pieces. So phase one is being worked on. Phase two will be the wallet, a mobile friendly lightning wallet. Very, very important with decentralized IDs and reputation. That'll be phase two. And then is there a phase three? There most certainly will be a phase three. And phase three is really going to kick in because we have all this trading happen. That happens in phase one, where as people get on the order book and we start trading with the escrow and money starts moving around. Phase two is going to allow all that trading to actually build up people's reputations, which is bound to an identity which they control. The reputation is what opens up phase three, where we can start building money markets credit and lending services. And because we have a reputation, it solves the biggest problem with who's trustworthy because it's based on real market trades, right? At that point, the money can start to flow from the West to the global South. Credit lines can be open. 
and then things can go into extremely high gear. That's the exponential jump that we're waiting for. That'll probably happen within the next three years, God willing. So who's determining credit worthiness in that situation? The traders themselves, based on their marketplace activity, based on the feedback that they get from the other traders, based on their number of unique partners, based on the web of trust. Which is all sort of into their digital identity. Exactly. And it all comes from who they're trading with. There's a lot of very sophisticated methodologies we're building in there to prevent fraud and spam. And we've seen all this in Paxful, right? If someone's trading with, you know, one guy who's doing 10,000 trades without one guy, it's probably safe to say that he's a scammer trying to build up his reputation. But if he's doing, you know, that kind of volume with 100 highly trusted people, then you know he's probably very credit worthy, right? And then you can algorithmically create a credit line and a credit score for that person. That solves the biggest problem. Right? It all happens from real activity trades. Now, what if someone sort of spins up a market based on this tech that is doing all the stuff that would have OFAC or some entity breathing down your neck? Do we have to move to, you know, Mars? Can they get us in Mars? They can't get us in Mars, no. In fact, no one can get us in Mars. We have the authority from the one God to get up there. So let's not worry about Mars. But we want everyone to be trading with everyone, right? We want someone in Venezuela trading with someone in Russia, someone, everyone trading with everyone else. No barriers, no permission required. So to that effect, I can set up a service. I can create a new brand myself and build it on Civkit. And on my Nostra Relay, because I'm an American citizen, all my offers, all the liquidity on there, all the people allowed to trade on there will be KYC, fertility exposed, person checked, all that stuff. But at the same time, if someone in any country in the world or any community in the world wanted to start their own marketplace for whatever it might be, for gambling, for gaming, maybe for weed, whatever they want to do, I can't stop them. They're running their relay in their country. Anyone can type in any, you know, Nasser Relay address and they can automatically see all the offers on that relay. And if they like an offer or a trade there, they can open up a trade with someone and we don't have custody of that money. It's in their custodial lightning wallet, their self-custody wallet with the other guy's self-custody wallet and it all happens on lightning channels. No custody is involved. They cannot stop it. The only way for them to stop it is to take down that server. And if that server's in Venezuela or Syria or whatever, what can they do? It's basically the power of the internet unleashed. You have truly unstoppable free markets. That being said, I wouldn't recommend, you know, starting up, you know, something that is illegal in a jurisdiction where your server is hosed, of course. Yeah, uranium, like uranium or something. They can do it. I can't stop them. They can set up an Oscar relay on this. They can sell whatever they want there. They can, all the Iranians can trade with all the other Iranians. They could trade with the Russians. I have nothing to do with it. It's just like Bitcoin. Anyone can send Bitcoin to anyone else. Yeah, so there's ways to compartmentalize all of that. You know, it's all up to people's risk tolerance, but it's a localized, global free market, meaning any free market can trade with anyone else. And once people have their own decentralized identities and their own self-custody wallets, no one can seize their funds. No one can tell them who not to trade with. It's beautiful. How did you get involved in all of this? What was the inspiration and what keeps you still interested? What what drives you? Uh, I'm kind of like the Blues Brothers. I'm on a mission from God. (laughs) That's how I've come to see it. 
But it all starts very simply. You know, I've been an serial entrepreneur for 24 years. My first startup was in ringtones. And I was basically selling ringtones to a largely unbanked population, just teenagers who didn't have credit cards. And every single startup I've had, billing has always been the problem. So how do we get around this problem? If money cannot flow freely, then you certainly cannot have free markets. So every single startup I've had, I've always run into this problem. When I came upon peer-to-peer electronic cash, I was like, wow, this might be the solution to our problems. And I started building, you know, startups around it. Paxful made perfect sense to do this because it would actually connect the people that needed this kind of help the most, which are peoples in Africa, India, Southeast Asia, Latin America, people in the global south. And the dream worked. Seven, eight years later, we had 12 million users, billions of dollars transacted. So now, Paxful is stoppable. It's been stopped. I don't think Paxful is coming back ever again. If it did, I certainly would not be trading on it. As as someone from the global south. So here we go. Let's make a thousand Paxfuls built on truly decentralized technology, built on Bitcoin. And so what do you expect that will look like? You know, a thousand's a big number. Where are we in six months? In six months, phase one will definitely be released within the next uh, three to four months. We should have a working code base there. We should have Nostra relays with all this liquidity from all these different markets. And people will actually be trading with each other. Pushing that into high traction is going to be a challenge. But I love business challenges. I love building traction. You you do that by boots on the ground, just the same way I built Paxful. Paxful was completely bootstrapped. We didn't get a dime from anyone. We just built it out ourselves. I built it out, the entire business, by listening to our users. We're going to do the same thing here. We're going to put out the best tools so that anyone, whether it's a nation state or community, can build out their own marketplace. We're going to have all these market masters running their own marketplace to be incentivized to do so. The more trades that happen on their market, the more money they make. So the incentives line up. Everyone should have a market. All these brilliant young people that started a business on Paxful, believe me, they all want to have their own marketplace like Paxful. It's just not an undertaking that they can take on. Well, we're going to release all the tools, not just the decentralized bits, but also progressive web apps for the front-end user experience and even for the admin experience as a marketplace master. And they will all be incentivized. Fantastic. Well, Ray, thanks so much for taking the time to join us and walk us through it all. Where can listeners learn more? Where can they follow you or get in touch if they're interested in the project? Well, there's civkit.org. You can go there, join our Discord. You can find me personally, Ray Paxful, on Twitter, Instagram, Telegram, all those places. And we're always open for help here. We're looking for the best, the brightest, and the most mission-driven people. We have a chance right now to strike a huge blow for the good guys. Let's face it. The good guys, meaning us, we've been on a losing streak for the past 100 years. been a horrible losing streak for the past 400 years. Now, all we need to do to make up all of that lost time It's just give the peoples, the 6 billion people of the global South, a way to transact freely. That's going to put 3 billion young people to work. That's going to allow the money to flow. That's all we need to do. Once we race to that position, there'll be no going back. So we're not dependent on their broken system and their, you know, unipolar currency. If we just get to that place, humanity will have won. I'm giving us seven years to get there, brother, by 2030. 
We don't have any more time beyond that. And believe me, I say that as someone that that really understands where all this is going. And it's not difficult to understand because they're very vocal about what their plans are. And their vanity has reached an apex right now. So all we need to do is get that money to flow, brother. Let's make those sats flow. And you're going to see how powerful humanity really is. Understood. Thanks so much again for taking the time. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers, my good man. I'm an ex-CEO at large. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for tuning into the show. We'll be back again soon with another great guest. Have an awesome day.